Welcome back to Transform, a podcast highlighting the people and ideas shaping the future of senior living. I'm Austin Montgomery for Senior Housing News. On today's episode, I spoke with Charter Senior Living President and Chief Operating Officer Jane Salerson. The Naperville, Illinois-based company operates 49 communities in 11 states. Charter Senior Living is gearing up for future growth with a refocused leadership team aimed at further optimizing operations, from staffing to improving the overall resident experience. I think the future is is really bright for Charter. I really do. We've built some good relationships. We've had some very good successes, which has, has allowed us to grow. Now, here's my interview with Jane Salerson, President and COO of Charter Senior Living. Jane, thanks for being here with me today. Austin, thanks for uh, letting me join. Of course. And Jane, for those who aren't familiar with your background in senior living, could you outline your previous roles you've held prior to your most recent promotion as president uh, with Charter? Sure. Uh, You know, uh, I've been with uh, in the senior living industry since 1998, and I literally uh, kind of stepped into it. I was working as a salesperson representing a group purchasing organization. I actually cold called on an assisted living community. I didn't even really know what it was. And I had an opportunity to meet a uh, regional director of operations who happened to be at the community. And a few months later, they called me and said, hey, would you be interested in being a regional sales director? And I said, sure. I don't really know too much about assisted living. That's how it all started. I, I started as a regional for Emeritus way back when and then uh, became a regional for Somerville Senior Living under Granger Cobb, who people have known Granger. uh, He was such a great leader. And I worked for Somerville, worked my way up to vice president of sales. I was there for about eight years. And that's where I met Kevin Benema, you know, the founder of Charter. Uh, We were actually regionals together back in 2000. So we have a long history together. And when uh, Emeritus bought Somerville, I went over to Emeritus, which is interesting because I, I came back to the company I originally started at and uh, became the EVP of sales and marketing. And I was there from when we had 200 buildings to, to 500 buildings. So I learned a lot over those, over those eight years. Then uh, the Brookdale acquisition occurred. I opted not to go to Brookdale and I had a non-compete for 18 months, so I couldn't operate. So I helped launch Sherpa, uh, the CRM for, which was built for senior living. I helped launch it. I was a COO and was there a couple of years and said, now it's time for me to get back into the actual operations. Uh, Headed back to the East Coast from uh, Massachusetts and was with Benchmark as EVP of sales and operations. And then Kevin and I reconnected again. We had always stayed in touch, but Kevin and I reconnected. And Kevin said, hey, do you want to come join me? And I said, yeah, as an owner and became a partner in it. And that was uh, six years ago. So it's been an exciting time. And it's been an exciting time for Charter. When I first came on board, we had nine properties. And the last five years, uh, we now have 44. So it has been a uh, interesting journey and an exciting journey. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you're almost at that 50 community mark. That's a, a quite a lofty number there, especially right. in such a short time. Right. And for some of our readers who might not be familiar with your most recent news, your promotion as president, which congratulations, by the way, you just want to outline how your role with Charter will change over time and how you will kind of move forward with the company and what the new president's role looks like. We got to a point, you know, like you said, getting to that 50 mark where you know, I was so involved in the day-to-day operations where you you end up being taken away from staying focused on your strategic initiatives for the company, right? So you're, you're pulled in a hundred directions. I had a lot of direct reports. So we knew it was time to have a layer of VP of operations who can really handle the day-to-day of the operations and business and uh, allow me to really focus on our strategic initiatives and to continue and strengthen our employee culture, which is really, really important to us. So that's where I'm going to begin to spend more of my time on looking at our strategic initiatives and making sure that we're staying on track and executing, right? Plans are all great, but they're only good as we execute them. So I'll be focusing a lot on that and hopefully uh, not be so involved in the day-to-day operations. And with taking a step back and having that bigger picture role, how do you think that will help you flourish just being able to get back to just being able to help lead in an intellectual type of way, in a way that's that's a, a larger scope and you're having a greater impact rather than having to put out fires operationally? Just right. from your perspective, Uh, What are you looking forward to most about the new role? You know, I I think I have a lot of vision that I want to do that I think that could really help our company. And I'm looking forward to actually having the time to do it. Right. And I think that's most exciting for me. You know, I have a sales background. I come from sales. I've always been in sales most of my career. Um, And I have a unique vision of sales versus operations, right? Because I always have the customer in mind because I, you know, my background is sales. So it's exciting to me that I can really implement some things and execute some uh, initiatives that will move us to the next level. And just off of that, how do you think the recent leadership shift will help improve Charter going forward? Not only in your role, but just in the in the other changes that were made as well to really fine-tune operations, but also like on your end, get to that big picture uh, part of leadership. So just in your mind, how will this shift improve Charter just in general uh, going into the future? You know, I think what it's going to do is it's going to allow me to really on um, what's the word, kind of hone in on the KPIs that are going to move the needle for us. I can have the time to really hone in on those and say, that's not working. Yes, this is working. And be be able to work through the vice president of operations to make sure that everyone's kind of marching in the same direction. So I think my ability to kind of hone in will help the general operations of the company. I think also too, Focusing on employee retention and engagement is, it's the hot topic, right? Uh, Everyone's talking about how do I recruit and how do I uh, focus on uh, employee engagement? And I think, you know, everyone talks about it a lot, but you got to do something different. 
And I'm excited about the things that we're starting to do that are different, that I believe are going to make a huge impact in charter and help us in terms of retention, which helps everything. Better retention helps better bottom line, better care, less risk, all the things. So if we can continue to focus on that, I think it's a win and not just do the same old, same old. Everyone's talking about the same thing we've been talking about for 25 years. (laughs) <laughs> that seems to be the case of some of the things I'm learning just about the industry as I get more and more familiar with it. And since you just mentioned uh, talking about labor, uh, I can jump ahead to one of my questions that I had on labor. Just in your mind, how has charter worked to reduce turnover and improve retention? I know that's obviously a big bite of the apple, but anything yeah. that's working that's working really well in your mind? For yeah, charter? there's yeah, there's a couple of things. So um, we became very involved with the apprenticeship program with our Gentum, the grant program. One was, A, it's a nice financial piece that uh, you know pays you to help th- these employees. But what is done is it's been really successful in the, in the first year. We, had, we have about 75 people enrolled in it. Um, we've had 20 promotions. And the way that this, the... The program works is at certain periods, at a three-month period, a six-month period, a year period, there's some financial increases that they get along the way. Plus, it's a career path for them. So the people that are really engaged in it, they see it as a great tool and they're staying. So uh, that has been one thing. We're going to continue to enhance that. There's a lot of added value for the employees as well. Not only do they they get a career path, but they are, there's also some other funding that they get for emergency services. And, and so it's just a great program all in all. So that's one thing. I think the second thing, and we all talk about it, is turnover for the first 90 days is where it all happens. That's where your highest turnover is. So we're implementing, we've trialed it in in about five communities, a mentorship program, and it basically works like this, and it works the opposite of what other people do, but we take a a caregiver or a CNA or a med tech, whoever it is, and they take the role, in addition to their job, they take the role as a mentor for new employees. So as the new employee, they're responsible from even pre-hire, right? So when they know someone's coming in for orientation, they're contacting them the day before. They meet them on day one. And there's a whole process through that they're responsible for training them and making them feel like they're part of the company, right? Because that's what happens. Most of those employees, they quit because they don't feel connected to people. And what we did was we incentivized the mentor that if that employee stays for 90 days, they get a bonus. If they stay for six months, they get another bonus. And if they stay for 12 months, they get another bonus. So as they mentor more and more people, they really can increase bonuses for themselves. And what we have found is, A, they really love doing it. And B, they're the ones that bleed our culture, right? We pick people that that are positive, They already support our culture. They can model our culture. Um, When we first rolled it out, we tested it in in a a community. And they have not, they have only lost one employee in the last year. So they've only lost one employee. One person actually 
after uh, you know 30 or 60 days, she was starting to fail. So they kind of went back and kind of retrained her again. And now the employee's doing great. So we're um, about to, I just finalized this, we're about to launch this throughout the whole company. Everyone will have a mentor, will be selected as a mentor at the community. And we're really trying to embrace when they first come in in that first 90 days. We've also done other touch points that we're doing. We have automated some processes. So when a new employee starts, it automatically, they automatically get a video from Kevin, welcoming them to the company. We've automated birthdays, anniversaries, so that it goes, it gets texted to them automatically. We don't have to do anything. It's all automated. But again, it's a, a nice message from, hey, happy birthday from Charter, right? The Charter family. So they, it's not just coming from their executive directors. It's coming from the company. And we're about to uh, test surveys that will go out via text again, post seven days of employment, post 30 days of employment, and post 90 days of employment. So our goal is to really measure and monitor how engaged are these employees feeling? Where is the breakdown when they start? And we'll start to identify which communities may be struggling with employee engagement. So that was actually one of the things that I was wondering about was just with the implementation of the new mentorship program, how it would kind of help maybe lean towards also not only helping on the labor side, but also on the operation side to really see what areas a community might need help in with another. Is that something you're really hoping to, to kind of learn? Yeah. Out of well, we're going to be able to identify. And one thing, it just, it actually went out on April 4th. We have an incredible texting program called Go Happy. I'm giving them a plug, but it has been a phenomenal resource for us. We use it in so many different fashions. It's integrated with our system. So we don't have to manually worry. Does this employee still work here? And uh, we just launched an employee engagement survey on the fourth. So what that's really doing, it's, it's measuring how engaged our employees are. And then we can break it down by department, by community. What it's really going to do is identify where are employees not engaged, which we know we have a culture problem there. And, and I guarantee you there's a turnover problem related to that. And specifically, are there specific departments that are really struggling? So I'm really excited to see the results of this survey because it's really going to help us get to the next step and measure whether or not we're getting better. Again, it's as good as we execute it and it's as good as us following up on those surveys. And we made it simple. It's a three-minute survey. And we had 500 employees respond the first day. So we know it's... Yeah, I'm not letting it go. So, but we're excited about it. Definitely. And I know when we spoke with Kevin last month, he mentioned that Charter had three goals for 2023. Uh, one of those was increasing occupancy to 85% by June. Yep. Uh, the other was reducing employee turnover by 20%. That's a pretty lofty goal. And also yep. hitting operational fundamentals. How do you think those things can be achieved? I know we've talked a little bit about the labor side, but uh, what areas do you think within those three are improving the quickest? I know we've seen a lot of occupancy gain in the last Yeah, years. I think so- the, the occupancy gain is going to probably be the quickest. Um, we just uh, closed out our, our March and it has been the probably our best month. We had a really strong quarter. 
we're seeing KPIs, leads and tours even greater than pre-pandemic. There's definitely demand out there. It's just assuring that our, and again, it goes back to the basics, right? You know, Kevin was saying, let's get back to the basics. Um, it's the same thing from a sales side, right? How do you get back to the basics? Making sure that we're doing the things that we need to do. And, you know, we're a big proponent of our sales philosophy is prospect-centered selling. The goal is you work, you spend more time with less leads and you get higher conversions. And the data is there that shows it. Rather than people, it's like crack. Give me more leads, give me more leads. But what happens is they end up, they can never build relationships because they're trying to build relationships with 400 people. So we know if we spend time doing home visits and creative follow-ups and planning, we know we can convert higher. And we really stick to that uh, philosophy. So I think uh, as we stick to our basics in sales, I think we can get to our goal. We have a, a uh, tracking system right now. Every community has a goal of where they need to be by June. And, you know, we're hoping that if one doesn't make it, someone else will help cover for it. I think that's going to happen. I think the back to the basics and the just getting back to fundamentals, that's just staying on top of it. It's very easy. Like you said, you're putting out fires. People put out fires all day and they lose sight that I'm running a business here. And you could, it's teaching executive directors. They need to understand they don't have to put out every fire. You know, they have, that's why they have department heads around them. And so that they can focus on the levers that are going to impact their bottom line. And there's different levers, right? It's not always occupancy. Sometimes it's expenses. It could be level of care. But are you managing all those levers to drive your NOI? So if we can continue to give them the tools that they need where they can conveniently see we have an, an executive director dashboard that pulls data from all different platforms that all the KPIs are on one screen. So hopefully that they're looking at the screen and being able to easily see what where what's up, what's down. And that's uh, as we're going to continue to enhance our, our ED dashboard. So it's there for them. But we're not stopping. I mean, we launched this and said, everyone knows 85% reduction in turnover. And back to the basics. I think people lost back to the basics during COVID. And I think people got complacent a little bit. I'll just call agency to come in. Like, no, <laughs> we didn't do yeah. that before COVID. Yeah, I think I think there, we're learning a lot of seeing which operators have really done well through the pandemic and which have not. So I think there's really going to be a sense of that kind of that cream rising to the top of Strategies that worked really well uh, right. from labor to reducing expenses and just like you said, getting back to the basics operationally. And since we're talking about occupancy, I'll skip ahead to one of my questions. Uh, obviously, with March being such a successful month, that's that's great, a great indicator heading out of the first quarter. So what strategies have been working well in terms of recouping occupancy uh, from the pandemic? I know everyone's come a long way, but it seems like now we, we just had a headline recently that was uh, an operator telling us they're not satisfied with 90% anymore. They think that our the ceiling is kind of 
growing, if you will, for where occupancy can go. So we'd love to know for charter what's working well in terms of kind of regaining that occupancy that we lost in the pandemic. You know, it's going back to the basics. Like I said before, it's staying true to who our sales approach is. I think um, also we're doing some digital strategies to drive more qualified leads to the communities and hopefully be a little less reliant on paid referral sources because that's a, just a killer for, for your community, um, the paid referral sources. Um, so really focusing on that. Again, it's just back to the basics. You know, what I said 25 years ago as a regional sales director is the same thing I'm saying today. Get to know your customer, right? Your prospect, call them back. You know, it's a simple things. And, you know, you probably hear the stories out there. I could shop a market and out of six buildings, one person will call you back. And hopefully we're not the one. We're the one that is calling you back. So we're staying. We stay really focused on that. You know, um, Sherpa, our platform allows us to measure time in the selling zone. How much time are they spending in the selling zone? Salespeople have a unique ability to to find ways of getting out of the selling zone, like decorating a Christmas tree or running an activity. And we got to keep them in that sales zone. If we do that, it's going to happen. And I agree, the operator that says 90% is unstable. I've never uh, been satisfied. It really came back. Somerville, back at the Somerville, that was an executive director. She came up with the term no loss revenue days. It came from Somerville Senior Living 15 years ago. And it was like, hey, if we're 95%, why can't we be 98%? And if we're 98%, why can't we be 100%? So having, you know, to the point where where you've got buildings battling on how many lost revenue days they have when they say, I've gone three months with no lost revenue days. I mean, that's that's incredible. It's harder to keep them full than it is to fill them. But I think if you you stick to it um, and you do, it's it hasn't changed. How we get leads have changed because a lot's through digital and you have to be a little bit more creative, but the building the relationships and the trust hasn't changed. Seniors are still seniors. They still are resistant to move in and you got to figure out a way to help them through that resistance. Yeah, I think in learning just a lot about the industry over the last year, one of the things I've heard from my sources is that everyone really isn't satisfied with the market penetration that senior living has right now in terms of like how many people are actually within senior living within the entire uh, spread of possible people that could be in senior living. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely, and I heard, I had someone tell me that uh, no other industry would be satisfied with with those types of market penetration. So uh, that it's really going to be interesting to see just how operators adapt over the over the coming years to really capitalize on the demand that's clearly there. And in our conversation today, I've, I've heard a lot about, it seems like there's a lot of transformation going on at Charter. It seems like there's a, a really a, a shift for what's ahead. So how would you characterize the state of operations within Charter communities as it stands one quarter through the year? Just how would you characterize just operations from your perspective? You know, I I thought about that question. And if I was to grade myself or ourselves, I would, because I'm never satisfied, right? And and a perfectionist, I would say we're a B. I think there are buildings that are A's. And, you know, I always look at um, 
buildings kind of in that bell curve, right? You have your you you have your twenty percent buildings that just crank it. No matter what you do, you have great strong executive directors in there. Then you kind of got your middle of the line and the middle group. Those are your B plus people. And how do you get them to be A minuses, right? Or get them to A's. And if you can get them to the A's, that's that's what puts you to the whole next level. And then you're going to have your stragglers at the other end. And those are the ones that usually are your time suckers. They're the ones that everyone has to end up going to. And you have to kind of learn when to cut bait. I think I've learned over the years, you try to give people the benefit of the doubt, but usually there's just red flags in front of you. And, you know, no one wants an opening, but a bad ED can just kill a building. We all know it's all about the executive director. Good executive director results in good buildings. And focusing on the, on the executive directors is, is, is really key. You know, that was another thing I was thinking about what was going to excite me. And one of the things that I, I really want to stay focused on is I'm, I'm going to develop an uh, executive directory advisory board to allow the executive directors to, you know, a, a board to really share an opportunity to say what's working, what's not working, and then listen to them. And how can we better grow them? And what's what's their barriers in their communities? And, you know, sometimes, you know, the corporate office becomes the barrier and we never want to do that. And that's one of the reasons why that we don't have a corporate office, right? We, we turned that paradigm around and we said, we're going to invest in the field and we're going to be out in the field and we're going to support our buildings. You know, nothing happens at that corporate office. So uh, we're just going to, you know, listen and listen to our employees. And uh, I'm excited. I really want to get the executive directors I- involved because I think that also helps with tenure, right? They want retention. They want to stay where, they're, where they have a voice. Most definitely. And in the few minutes that we have left, I want to talk about opportunities and challenges that you see ahead for the remainder of the year. Just we'll start with challenges and that way we can round out on a positive note with opportunities. So what do you view as the biggest challenges for operations for charter in the year ahead? I mean, just coming off of two really abnormal years, I think 2023 has been a push for everyone to try and kind of get their feet back under them and realize what normal is and and really uh, expand off of that. So just in your mind, is the biggest challenge in retention and on labor, or is there another area that you think might be the, the biggest challenge for, for the rest I of this year? I think we still aren't, we still have headwinds with labor. I think it's getting a little bit better. I, I think there's more of a challenge of nurses versus caregivers or CNAs, which was not the story even six months ago, but I still think we, we have uh, some, some challenges with that. I think we're still the wages. I, I, I think we've all reset re- wages, but I think the biggest challenge is, you know, there's a lot of platforms, technology out there, you know, that compete with the agencies, but basically it's, it's the, it's the care model, right? It's the Uber where the caregiver can, I just want to pick up a shift, click, they click a button and they show up. And uh, that's what staff wants. They want flexibility. So that's still a kind of competition to us. Um, They're all screaming, we want flexibility. And I think we as an industry have to find ways of uh, providing flexibility to the employees. If we don't do that, 
you know, we're still going to struggle, right? Everyone does a seven to three shift, three to 11, and they don't want it. I don't want to work seven to three. I want to work eight to noon. And, and that's why those, those platforms where, you know, they can click a button and say, this is what I'm, I want to work are being successful. And there's multiple uh, of those platforms out there now. So I still think uh, that, and, and it's still unknown about creeping inflation and costs, expenses for the, for the uh, buildings, right? And driving those margins. How do we drive the margins? How do we drive margins um, with expense creep going up? And we all know food went up and utilities went up and wages went up. And so the challenge is going to be how do we get margins for our partners at the same time, not outprice ourselves in the in the marketplace. And that's the balance, right? Right. It's definitely a delicate balance, especially when you have inflation and interest rates tipping the thumb on the scale of, of expenses and really kind of elevating those. And and it doesn't seem like there's any end in sight, at least for, for now, the time being we're, we're hearing for in terms of expenses and, yeah. and uh, just kind of that, that margin compression. So yeah, no, no, no. And I think you have to be, you know, cognizant of that. And we're just, we're just trying to simply find ways of controlling expenses that are controllable um, by leveraging our size. I mean, as simple as, you know, we've grown. So we, we've taken on buildings and standardization of as simple as this is going to sound funny, but as simple as toilet paper and paper towels can be significant cost savings for you because buildings are buying what they want to buy. And by standardizing some of that, you're making sure that they're, they're buying the products that are cost effective for us. So there's, there's ways of, of doing those, those things to, to help mitigate some of the additional uh, expenses that we can't control. And where do you see, just rounding out on a positive note, where do you see the biggest opportunities for Charter this year and uh, the remainder of the year? What are you looking forward to most? It sounds like there's obviously a big push on the labor side, which it seems like you're excited about. But just in your mind, what are you most excited about for Charter in the, in the remainder of 2023? You know, I think uh, it's really just uh, getting us to the next level. I've surrounded myself with some good people. I've learned uh, my old mentor, Granger Cobb, used to say, surround yourself with the smartest people. And that's what I'm trying to do. And uh, I think we have a good culture, a good basis of culture, which helps us be able to attract um, employees that don't want to work for the big guys any anymore. They they want to work for a company that cares about them. So I'm really excited about our culture. Um, we've got some developments uh, that are going to be opening in the next uh, six months. So there's nothing better than the shiny new penny to to open up some new buildings. And so that's really exciting. And and I think the the future is uh, is really bright for Charter. I really do. We've built some good relationships. Um, We've had some very good successes, which is, has allowed us to grow, uh, that people had confidence in us. People thought we were nuts that we didn't have a corporate office at the beginning. They really thought we were crazy. And uh, then then the pandemic hit and everyone thought we were geniuses. So we just said, yeah, we, we planned this whole thing out. So we're excited. We're excited about it. And I'm excited to see uh, you know our gentums coming up and get to see some of my old uh, colleagues that I haven't seen in a while and take it from there. That does it for this episode of Transform. I'm Austin Montgomery for Senior Housing News. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.